Welcome to a financial planning podcast with a down-to-earth vibe. Sasquatch listens while sweating it out in his sauna. This is Through the Pines. On this episode, we explore financial goal setting for the new year. So how to set financial goals. I think this is a good good idea. Um, how to track your financials and creating a budget, breaking free, finally becoming independently uh, financially independent, growing your wealth, protecting your assets. So we cover these topics on this episode of Through the Pines. Joining us, our advisors for this episode, Plan with Baxter. We have Rex. Um, he could be anywhere in the world right now because he's dialing in via the internet. So Just call me Carmen San Diego. Carmen San Diego, um, which I don't think you're in San Diego, but could be, could be. Could be. And then in studio, we have Brandon Smith with Plan with Baxter, uh, planwithbaxter.com. So if you would like to um, ask questions or find out more about these advisors, go to planwithbaxter.com. They do know what they're doing. They won the 2024 Forbes Best in State Wealth Management team for Utah's second year, twice in a row. Yeah, back to back. Back to back. Ever been done before? Uh, not, not by us. That's the first time we've done it. Fair enough. Also, the advisor hub, fastest growing advisors to watch under one billion dollars and the receivers of the Ameriprise Client Experience Award. So they know what they are doing. Again, Baxter Smith and Associates. You can reach them at planwithbaxter.com. Let's plan in. So we, it's a new year. Uh, we have goals. Um, it's a good time to, a lot of times, you know, they're money goals, but a lot of time they're health goals. And I'm assuming it's like the same sort of tactics. I don't know. Maybe you can fill me in on this. But um, when you chat with clients of yours, plan with Baxter people, um, how do you go about setting financial goals? Because it's got to be different for everyone. So how do you even start the process, Brandon? For me, the the before we start setting goals, I need to know where you are. Yeah. And that is, I can't believe how often that gets skipped. But until I know where you're at, then nothing else can start. And, and so that, that's where that, when, you know, when we meet with clients, we'll, we'll go through that and we'll back into their cash flows and say, how much do you make? How much are we saving? How much is going to taxes? How much is going towards mortgage, other things like that? We can back that out, figure out exactly where you are today and then project that into the future and, and figure out, Hey, are you on track? Are you not on track? Um, and then from there we have a baseline mm-hmm. and I always with, with clients, especially younger clients, um, you know, that still have a, a decade or two before retirement, it, you know, it, it, I like to establish the baseline of what do we need to do to continue life as you know it today, right? We don't want you to hit retirement and have your lifestyle take a hit. What does it take to just hit the main, the maintain button, right? Mm-hmm. Adjusted for inflation, of course. Um, and then from there, then you start setting goals, right? That's where the goals happen. Um, are we there yet? If we are, then then you know we've got some extra cash flow. Where do we put that? Do we put that into increasing lifestyle today? Do we increase lifestyle in retirement, or do we kind of blend that a little bit? And 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 that's where the goal setting starts. But until you know where you're at today, I don't think you can really start. Okay. So then, Rex, what about goal setting for those who are say independently wealthy? Well, I think everybody has goals, right? Whether you're independently wealthy or not. I mean, it's you still have things that you're trying to accomplish in life financially or or otherwise. And so the goals might just be different, um, but they still have goals, whether it's staying independently wealthy, right? And sometimes that's the goal. Um, but sometimes it's, you know, I want to be able to fund a business or I want to be able to 
support those around me and, and make it so that they're not dependent on me, but they're independently wealthy at some point. And so, you know, I, I don't think it, I don't think your net worth determines whether you're going to have goals. I think everybody has goals and just some have a more difficult time articulating them and spelling them out. And, and that's where we help, right? Is, is we figure out where you're at today and then we help you articulate and help you set those goals and figure out what they are and why, and, and why they're important to you. So if someone comes to you, Rex, and says, I want to save more, that's not a specific goal. So do you just start with specifics right off the bat? Yeah. I mean, we start asking questions like why, right? What are you trying to do? You want to save more for retirement? You want to save more for a house? You want to save more for, you know, for a vacation next year? What What's our time frame? And so we, we get into, I mean, I, most people have heard of SMART goals, right? And And so once we figure out where you're at, like Brandon said, then we start breaking the goals down into into smart or smarter goals that are specific. And so we need to know exactly what it is. It's gotta be meaningful to you. Um, as, as far as that's concerned, it's gotta be achievable, relevant, time bound, right? It's gotta have a time measurement to it. Um, and then if it's smarter, you evaluate and readjust is kind of the ER on the end. So I, I think it's important to go through that entire process. Do you, how do you use that in your everyday work, Rex? Cause it sounds so, like when you have this memorized. So I'm, I mean, I'm assuming you do this like every day. Do you read day. your goals? Yeah. Do you read your goals every day? Like how, like what's the best way to do this? Yeah. So like, let's talk about our team, right? Our team has goals, right? And so, you know, we have a business plan, we have goals that we're trying to achieve. And so just this morning, right, we went through our goals this morning and how we did over the last week. And they're all measurable, right? They're all time bound. They're all relevant. They're all, you know, all those they're things. All, they're all getting fired. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah no. I frequently fire my team every, you know, if it doesn't happen once or twice a week, then yeah. it's just team, not a good week. Like, you know? like coaches in the NFL, just cycle them through, cycle them through. Oh, oh they're rehired God. like within they're... moments, you know? Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, no, totally kidding. Yeah. So, um, that's good. That's a one way to keep them accountable. But, but when it comes to f your own financials, we don't necessarily have that coach. We don't have that boss or whoever, um, helping us. That's where you come in, right? As a financial planner, a financial advisor. And how do you keep people, um, you know, first of all, they got to figure out what their goals are and then how do you keep them on track? How, how do you keep them accountable towards mm -hmm. those goals? Yep. So I, I think part of that is, is breaking them down into smaller goals, right? Is somebody says, Hey, look, I want to, want to be able to live on and I'll throw out random numbers, right? A hundred thousand dollars a year when I'm 60, um, in today's dollars, right? So maybe that's 150 by the time you adjust for inflation, depending upon how old they are. And, and that's great. And so in order to do that, we need to be saving X amount into your 401k plan. We need to be targeting a 6% rate of return over time, whatever that is. And, and so we kind of break that down into the different pieces. And then when we meet with them, whether it's once a year, twice a year, four times a year on those frequencies, we're, we're checking and saying, okay, did you save, you know, have you been saving $500 a month? Have you been saving $2,000 a month? Um, have we been averaging over the last three or five or 10 years that 6%? Um, you know, because every year it may be up or down, but are we still trending towards that long-term target rate of return? And so it's, it's breaking down the bigger goals 
down into smaller, smaller steps, right? It's the same way you eat an elephant, right? A bite at a time. And, and that's the exact same thing that we're doing with goals, a bite at a time. I've never actually had elephant, but that sounds like a good idea. Yeah. Have you had and, alligator? We had alligator last year. Oh, I didn't say alligator, but yeah, I, alligator's good. Yeah. yeah. Chewy. Fried. Fried. Yeah. Chewy. <laughs> Brandon? Yeah. So, so I've, the human mind, I don't think is built to understand big numbers, right? You say mm. 200,000, 300,000, 400,000, like, like a million. 2 million, 3 million people don't understand what that means most times. And, and so one of the cool parts of our job is helping people understand where they're at so that they then can make and, and dream, right? I think a lot of people are, are afraid to set, you know, lofty goals because they're not sure how, what that even means and, and how they can accomplish it. I think most of us can, can relate and set a goal as far as like a vacation or, or a really, you know, a, a cabin or, a nicer house or a nice car. I mean, those things are, we can visualize, but the, but the financials behind it are a little bit more difficult. Mm. And so that's, that's where, you know, with, with clients, a lot of times, you know, clients, I'll see them and, and they're not spending enough money, you know, which is fine. If you don't want to spend money, that's great. I'm not going to like force you. However, if you're not spending money, I want, and, and you could be, I want you to understand and, and make sure that's a conscious goal, right? Is our goal just to amass wealth to pass on to kids? Or would we prefer to do something ourselves? Or would we prefer to like pass that wealth on to kids while you're alive and you can see it and watch it, right? And so so helping helping people be conscious of what they're capable of financially is is uh, so important and, and and probably one of the central things that we do for people. And we should mention that one of the things that you mentioned before, Brandon, is that the number that everyone should know, like basically off the top of their head is, is what is their net worth? Yeah. 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 And, and, and the net worth is an incredible starting point and a really good thing to track because that will show us how much we're growing things. Mm -hmm. But then beyond that, we've got to figure out right, what does that net worth do for us? You know, is our net worth, are all the different aspects of our net worth working efficiently? And are they working towards the goal that we have of, of, you know, whatever that goal is. Mm -hmm. And, and so, yeah, I, net worth is important. And you talked, uh, Rex talked a little bit about tracking, um, and following up, but I know, um, plans Baxter with, with Ameriprise has some great tracking software, um, that clients can use. Is, is that where you, you suggest most people just go Rex is to sort of upload everything to that type of account? Well, I think it depends on what you're tracking, right? As far as the net worth, absolutely. I think that's great, right? We we do have great software and great technology and things like that as far as, as tracking net worth and things like that. If you're tracking like budget, there's a lot of budget software out there um, that, that people can use if you're tracking your your spending, your monthly spending to kind of see where things are, are getting away from you or or trying to stay within certain parameters. Um, so I, it depends on what you're trying to track as mm -hmm. far as the best avenue to do that. So a lot of people still use spreadsheets and some people still use pen and paper, right? So it just kind of depends on you and what's going to work for you. Okay. Brandon? I, I know a lot of people that, and I, you see it all the time where they're making fantastic income, cash flows flying, they, they're seeing the numbers, they like the numbers, you know, they're saving into retirement, they're hitting, they're maxing out their 401ks, right? They're doing all the important things, but it just feels hectic. It just mm. feels chaotic. And, and those people typically are smart enough to know it's not as efficient as it should be. And so that, that's another one that we get a lot of, right? As people come in and just like, Hey, I'm making 
making great money. I've got savings that are building up in this account and I don't know that I'm getting the best savings rate on that. I don't know that I'm doing all the, the tax efficient things to get myself ready for retirement. And I'm, I'm saving a lot to retirement, but I don't know what that means. Mm -hmm. And so, so speaking of goals, right? That's when they come in, we sit down, we figure out where they're at. And then we can like, we, we, most of it, like I've said before, we make automatic, right? Mm -hmm. So we set stuff up. So it's automatically going to where it needs to go. Um, but, but then the other stuff is setting those goals of, okay, where do we, where do we need to save? Where do we need to like, and we just set that up so that they're, so they're ready to go. And, and, and so that we know that we're not missing any, you know, big obvious pieces of their financial plan. So every income level Rex needs a budget, correct? Yes, I think so. I mean, <laughs> within reason, right? I, I think budgets are tough. Budgets rarely work in, in reality. Um, and so I think the, the more specific you can be on the budget, I think the better off you are and, and the better you get at tracking what you're, where your spending is, the better off you are. But I think more important than the budget is making automatic the savings and making the automatic um, the other areas of your life, because that's going to leave you with only the amount that you should be spending anyway. And so as long as you're not going over the top of that by using credit and, and stealing from the savings and things like that, then whether you end up spending, you know, $500 dining out versus $500 at the grocery store, that's, you know, as yeah. far as from a financial standpoint, it's the same. Right. right. So, so that's interesting. You said budgets don't work, but if you sort of re reverse it, in other words, you have your spending that you have, you have your bills that you have to pay each month. And then you have your, or first you have how much you want to save and then you have your bills, whatever that number is. Um, and then it's after that you keep that's your, that's your spending or your fund money. And then you're saying like, you don't have to budget that. That's just is what it is. Right. Cause you've already yeah. got a certain amount going to savings and your bills are paid. I mean, I think it's good to track it and to pay attention, right? But I, I think it's, you're going to spend X amount on gas, right? You're going to spend X amount on dining out and, and groceries and on, you know, whatever the odds and ends are that, that your life is involved in. And so as long as it stays within just the parameters of what's left in, in that after you've saved and after you've paid your bills, then it doesn't make a huge difference from a financial standpoint. Now, the habits that you're building can because that that creates lifestyle creep that that creates habits that that you may not be willing to give up or maybe harder to give up over time. And, and so I still think tracking the spending is helpful for people. Um, but sometimes people try and, and do it, do it the other way to where they're creating the budget. They're not making it automatic. So the paycheck comes in. They're like, OK, now the paychecks here. And so now I have to, you know, take an action to send the money to my savings and I have mm -hmm. to take an action to send my money somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And, and, and then I've only got $500 for dining out and I've got 400 for groceries and oh my gosh, I, I spent 600 dining out. And so now all of a sudden they've got this negativity on spending and on their budget and everything else. And it starts having negative repercussions on their financials as far as the way that they're viewing things and they start getting negative on themselves. They start getting negative on, on their spending. And then all of a sudden they're like, well, I budgeted 500 to, to grocery stores. And even though I went over on dining, I'm going to go ahead and do that. And that's where they steal from their savings mm. because they still spend that much in other categories 
because that's how much they budgeted for those other categories. Even though they went over in some, they're not intentionally going under in others. Mm-hmm. And and so that's that's where I feel like people get in trouble a little bit. Okay. Uh, Brandon, do you have, have you seen any apps that work for people that are trying to create budgets for themselves? You know, there are apps, you know, account aggregators, right. That just put all of your stuff. And I mean, my bank tells me where the spending goes, but I don't even look at that. So, right. (laughs) Right. And, and, and I, it depends. I mean, I kind of know where it goes. Right. Right. Yeah. And, 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 and they try and categorize it and that, that works all right. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I laugh. We were using one once and I got a notice on my phone. We were in college. Like, <laughs> like you just spent $30 on, on alcohol. I was like, I don't think we did, you know, and, <laughs> and uh, it turned out my wife had gone to Weinegers, you know, and they mm-hmm. just pulled the name out and they're like, yeah, you know, and so, I mean, it just, it, it uh, yeah, I, I don't know for, for us personally, my wife and I, what we do is we actually at the end of each month and, and sometimes we'll go a month or two and, and she'll go back and redo it. But but my wife will actually go through and and budget out and just on a literally a piece of paper. I think I do it on Excel, but she loves paper. She writes it out on on a paper and says all of the expenses that we had and kind of cat- categorizes those. So she'll break out gas so we can kind of track that. That's a little bit more variable. She'll track um, going out to eat. She'll track you know all all the different things. And then, and then we can, we can see also our income. So we'll look at what our income was for the month, what our spending was for the month. Um, and then I, I actually on my own, I'll, I'll, I take an Excel spreadsheet and I just put in, I track our bank account levels so I can see high watermarks, low watermarks, and I'll track that over time and, and, and just kind of keep a, keep an eye on, on trends is what we're most interested in, right? If we spend a little bit more on one month and we dig into savings, just a little, like that, that's going to happen, right? That's part of life. But I want to watch those high watermark trends. I want to watch the low water watermark trends and just see where everything is playing out. And that gives me incredible amounts of peace of mind because the downside to having a good size emergency fund is that if you're not careful, that can drain down to zero, mm-hmm. right? And you're like, what did I just do with all that money? And so the alternative is to either live paycheck to paycheck or track it and watch mm-hmm. it, you know? And and I know a lot of people just track it on apps and look at it and that's fine. But for me, it's just those high and low watermarks. I'd look at it and be like, I don't know, our our, our bank accounts fluctuate by quite a bit intra-month, you know, and that's normal and healthy. Um, so I like to, I'd like to just kind of keep track of it that way. Mm-hmm. I don't have any apps that I, I use right now. Okay. Uh, very good. So that's essentially covers creating a budget. I mean, everyone's different. Everyone's unique. And so, um, but breaking free, uh, becoming financially independent. This is sort of, you know, we just did a podcast about retirement, but um, there it is possible to reach this financial independence you know, before 60, before 65. Um, you can reach it really at any age if you um, plan correctly. Right. So um, Rex, what, what type of moves or how do you set goals to sort of become financially independent? Well, I, I obviously financial independence can be different for everybody. Right. And so for some people it's, it's going to, to be spending a smaller dollar amount versus a larger dollar amount. And so I think figuring that out for you um, first, as far as, you know, am I comfortable living on, $3,000 a month, my comfortable living on five, 10, 25, what, what's the amount? And because then you can back into, you know, how much you need to have from either different income sources 
or from assets in order to sustain that standard of living, which creates that financial independence. Mm -hmm. And so it, it doesn't necessarily, financial independence doesn't have to be just from savings and investments. It can be a combination of savings and investments with other income sources, right. whether it be, you know, rental properties, dividends from, from your investments, whether it be other businesses that you have an ownership interest in, um, things like that, that, that can kind of create that. Okay. The, the problem is spending money is just so much fun, right? The people, <laughs> the people that have an income to be able to like retire super early, like save a ton and then retire early yeah. that when you, when people have that income, they, they enjoy that. Like, wow. It's traveling thing is kind of a lot of fun, right? Oh, wow. It's nice to have a nicer car. So it's is not that more of an, of, um, an income? Okay. So before you, before you retire or, or you're older, financially independent might mean and Rex, I think, um, like you still have income coming in, like income streams coming in that aren't necessarily your savings, right, Rex? Yeah, I, I think you can have other income streams coming in, not necessarily from having to show up to a nine to five job, yeah. right? But but other other business interests that are generating income streams for you, right? right? Like Brandon saying, it's now, you know, it's fun to spend the money. And so financially independent means you've got some sort of chunk of change that's feeding you, whether, um, it's interest or dividends or something, or you own a percentage of a business that just pays you each month that you don't have to necessarily work for. And then, but you do have money coming in. It's not that you're just spending the money with no money coming in. Right. Right. But, and it's different for everyone, but the, what is the end goal? What is the end goal of all of this? In my mind, it's to maximize the utility of the, of the money, right? Is it's to, it's to get the maximum enjoyment out of that, whatever that is, right? Whether that's charitable or kids or, or whatnot, but it's to, and, and for whatever reason, it's from my observation, one, what the way most people kind of maximize that is you, you make, you get a good job that makes a good income. You enjoy that and you actually enjoy life and live life while also saving enough so that, you know, your future is taken care of so that when you're, you know, of age that, that you're not going to be able to work anymore, you can then transition that into retirement. Mm -hmm. But, but the idea that the ideal life is to just sit on a beach and do nothing all day, every day is like the pinnacle of, of human fulfillment. I think that's wrong. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I think recognizing and realizing that earlier helps because then you can find a job and a career or a path that you can do that you find fulfillment in while also making money, which enables you to spend money today and save, but spend money today, enjoy the life that you have today, and then have that enjoyment set for retirement as well. Yeah. And, and I don't think it's a coincidence that most successful people follow that same trajectory. Hmm. It's just baffling to me, like it used to be anyway, when I'd see these billionaires that I'm like, you've got so much money. And I'd always like do the math, like you could spend X amount per day, right? Like there's no way you're going to ever be able to spend this all, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Why are you still going into work? Why are you still pushing so hard? And, and, you know, for some of them, it might be goals, but I think a lot of people it's fulfillment. Yeah. You know, it's no longer monetary gain. It's, it's, it's other goals. It's fulfilling. It, it's these other outside tangible things. And I think that the sooner you can recognize that and soon, the sooner you can recognize that, that that money isn't the end goal, but that fulfillment and being able to explore the world and, and explore like different avenues of life, that is the end goal. Yeah. I, I think I think it changes your focus. I yeah, I think some people 
get their fulfillment through through the Scrooge tactics, right? And so they they just want to count their they just want to see the the dollars grow. They just want to see the zeros continue to pile up and accumulate and and continue to grow. And that is their fulfillment. That's what they get joy out of. Mm. Um, and so I think everybody's a little bit different that way. And I think a lot of people get fulfillment through through kids or vacations or spending and and different things like that. And and the you know some of the things that that reduce the financial stresses of life and it may bring other stresses, but I think a lot of people get it that way, but I think that there is a certain amount of the population that truly gets fulfillment out of amassing dollars. Hmm. And, and I don't think that's right or wrong. I just think that that's, that's what some people are, are like, and that's what they want. Yeah. We're talking financial goal setting here on through the pines podcast with plan with Um, uh, Brandon, you have some more numbers. You bet. All right. You bet. So we're, we're, uh, going into an election year and so obviously we're not going political on this however it's one of it's one of the illegal immigration is is one um topic that's talked about a lot um and i find it funny you know either side neither side really likes to actually go into the actual numbers of it right it's always just politicized and so i found these numbers i think they're really interesting um they are what they are but these are financial numbers these are yeah so these are dollars dollars spent and and actually first trust put this together and they broke it out and it's just a great one they broke it out between both federal and state and local spending right so you got those two groups and then subcategories of education expenses medical expenses justice and and enforcement law enforcement expenses welfare programs and then they back out the tax receipts received from illegal aliens right because we actually you know even illegal aliens pay in taxes and stuff and so um, in, in different forms. Right. And, and there's, we could go whole podcast on that. Um, but federal spe- spending in, in billions is $50.2 billion spent on illegal immigration. Like a year or. Yeah. Annually. Oh, annually. 2023 wow. cost study. Um, state and local spending is estimated to be $100.5 billion. So all in about $150.7 billion net cost um on illegal immigration and and again not saying that's good or bad or or morally just or unjust but i think it's interesting to have that number in in your head 50 billion federal 100 billion state um when you look at and compare that with the different budgets right that's it's not a small number but it's not our biggest number either Mm. you know And, and so just keeping that you know as as you look at budget spending and you you listen to political parties you know, talk about this. It's interesting to look at what that number is. Well, they're all here for the American dream, Rex. Um, and once you, once you get the American dream, uh, you, you become wealthy. How do you, how do you set goals to, like you said, keep the wealth, grow the wealth, give some of the wealth away? Like, what do some of those goals look like? That's a good question. Um, I Thanks. think, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like it when Brandon comes up with good questions to where I have to stall and pause for a second to, to kind of gather my thoughts. <laughs> and so, and then I have to sit there and say, no, wait, can you repeat your question again? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You so, know, really, it just depends. It just depends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's my go to answer. It just really depends. And now I can't remember your question. So repeat your question, Brandon. <laughs> okay, okay. Okay. Oh, gosh. That's so funny. Um, you've made it. You're, you're wealthy now. Okay. And so how do you, what are some of the goals that you um, need to have to grow that wealth, maybe give that wealth away, um, 
sustain that wealth like like what once you've once you've acquired the wealth in your perception of it and what it means to you um what do your what do your goals look like at that point so most most people in that situation have a couple of of different primary goals one is kind of a target rate of return on their money um that they're trying to to achieve over time and and again you know, there's, there's the three pillars of wealth that we talked about, right? You've got the financial markets, so they've got a target rate of return there. They might have real estate, real estate investments. Um, then, and so they would have a target, a target rate of return there and then business interests that they may own. And they're looking at a target rate of return there. So they're trying to grow their money at a certain rate. And then typically they're setting, um, you know, they kind of have targets on what they're trying to, to give into the communities. Um, or their passions and interests to kind of help society and humanity. And so typically they've got some areas there that they're targeting. And then they also typically get more into setting other goals. And, and some of these are just interpersonal goals, such as I want to read X amount of books, or I have a goal to go and meet, you know, a certain number of influential people. Um, and to be able to have opportunities like that, or I may have offered, you know, I, I, I have a goal to, uh, create memorable experiences with those that are closest to me. Um, and so they're not always going to be financial related, but lots of times it starts being financial related and then it expands out into some of those other interpersonal areas. Very good. Brandon? Yeah, I think that's what's cool about this nation and and <laughs> the setup, right, is is that it, it you can do what you want, you know, and 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 what what are your goals as as you've you know if you once you've made it and you've got all the wealth and you're like I, I think you find something that you get excited about. Mm -hmm. um, I I have seen times where where perhaps it was motivated their their you know their motivation was seeing that number grow 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 and then they pass away and then donate it to a charity which it gets kind of mediocrely spent you know or whatever but but man like if we can if you can like get a passion and a drive and you have the assets behind it and you can find what you care about and you can make a major difference in this world mm -hmm. and and i think that can drive just exponentially good things right clearly you know what you're doing right you've you've built you've amassed wealth you you have focus you know how to use goals you know how to do all these things and then if you can take that and, and look around the world and say what where can i what can i do to make this place a better place um no matter where that is charities you know international um kids whatever that is i mean that that's that's where it gets exciting because once you can set that then we can help you then we can invest the money appropriately so that we can hit the distribution needs that you need so that we can grow the stuff that we can you know and 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 we can align your your investments with your goals and and then that just comes together really nicely very good i think it's interesting that society is so good at putting labels on people and people kind of falling into that such as oh you're middle class or you're lower class or you're higher class or you're the top one percent or you're the top whatever and and i think that with those labels people hear that enough that all of a sudden they start to kind of buy into this into this nonsense of oh i you know society says that's too much work i don't want to start a charity or it's too much work to do this or that or the other and and i would say shake that off right if you're passionate about something shake off all of society's you know labels and preconceived ideas and who says you can't do something nobody says you can't do something go do it 
go, go live your life, go dream big, go, go do what you're passionate about and, and figure out a way to financially get there so that you can achieve those things in life. And, and that's what we're here to help you do is, is let us help you, you know, on the financial end, figure out what that is, but dream big. And let's, let's go, let's make some changes in the world. Let's make some changes in your backyard and in your society and, and, and whatever that is that you're passionate about. And so don't, don't just sit there and close your mind off because society says that you should. Um, you know, we, we don't take that stance. We take the stance that, that we are big believers in, in, you know, figuring out, kind of digging down to your core values and what really is important to you and trying to figure out how to maximize that for you and for your family and, and for those that, that you want to support throughout life. So. Yeah. I'm motivated now. And, <laughs> and I really wish that I had like a, a T swift, shake it off, drop, just ready to go. <laughs> but I yeah, didn't, a little, yeah, little so. Steph Curry shoulder bake, right? No, Something no, no, or that or that. So, um, well, the last one is protecting your assets. Uh, Rex, have you seen clients become, so protective of their assets that their their assets begin to dwindle yes okay um a lot lots of different ways right sometimes people get so conservative and so protective that they're then they're not you know growing their money not keeping up with inflation and so if, if inflation erodes it away or some people get so enamored with an individual asset or an individual company or something like that, where they're so concentrated in it that you've, you know, if you've listened to any of our podcasts, you've heard me multiple times say that, you know, one of the number one creators of wealth is concentration and one of the number one destroyers of wealth is concentration. And, and so people, the longer you hold something that's been successful, the, the more you start to believe that it's infallible, that it can't crash, that it can't go to zero, that it can't, you know, it can't go the other direction. And, and that's a mistake, right? That, that is a, a mistake that you need to be aware of that, that just because something's been a certain way in the past, that does not predict the future um, in investments or in, you know, in, in financial matters, any, any of those things. And so you need to be aware of that, but we absolutely have seen people get too conservative um, or too protective to where it starts to erode and destroy their wealth um, because of that. And now on the flip side, you know, you don't want to all of a sudden, you know, put everything on, on red 23 either, right? Because you don't want to go all in and, and get too aggressive. <laughs> so, yeah, because that'll, that, because again, that can also destroy wealth, right? Yeah, so yeah. the, the, the key is balance, right? The key is diversification and balance and, and and taking calculated risks and and making sure that you're aware of of you know the risk that you are taking with your with your financial assets so so brandon what are ways that people can protect their their assets and but still grow those at the same time yeah calculated risk i think rex nailed it with that it, it comes down to um you know what types of insurance do you have I, I hear people sometimes will talk about like, oh, I've got this insurance policy in case, you know, I, I have this $4,000 loss, whatever that may be, health, vehicles, whatever. And it's like, really? Like 4000 Like 
like we can self-insure that, right? And you know, the insurance company's in it for a profit. You know, do we really need to insure? Like, like we can take that risk. Mm. Um, on, on the other hand, there's some things that we can't, we can't take, right? I don't want to assume the risk that if my house burns down that I have to, right? Or, mm-hmm. or something major like that. And so you've got to calculate the risk. Um, on the other hand, with investments, you see people, especially if you're young, right? And, and, and you're just nervous. And so you want to be way too conservative. What are you nervous about? You're, you know, and understanding what is that risk? If we're well diversified, you know, are we really worried about the stock market going away to zero, never coming back? It's, it's, you know, I'm not saying it's impossible, but it surely as you, as you vet that out, it's a somewhat of an irrational fear in, in a lot of ways, when you look at the odds of that happening. Um, Well, there's, there's something else going on that you might need to be worried about if that happens. <laughs> yeah, right. Then that's what it comes down to. Yeah. Right. Like if, if the stock market crashes and no companies in, in the United States can make any money and they all close their doors for business, say, yeah, we're worthless now. You know, like if, if every company in the United States closes, you know, we got other issues and it, it yeah. really doesn't matter whether we were in bonds or stocks so much, you know. And, and so I'm not saying to take risk that you're uncomfortable with, but I am saying under get to understand what you are afraid of so that we can you know vet out whether that's a rational fear and move on because if you're scared of of losing 20 percent in the stock market and so you get really really conservative um while you're young like what what if you just just leave it you know let it grow you can outgrow what you're scared of you know so that even if there is a major downturn it's still way beyond where it would have been you know beforehand and and I see that I, I had one one client, you know, come to me and say, hey, I got and this was this was years ago. But but she said, hey, I got really lucky. I pulled all this money out right before the stock market crash in 2008. Um, and I'm so glad I did. You know, it was just one of the best moves I've made, you know, financially. And uh, and this was but this was well beyond 2008. And I had to say to her, well, I wish you wouldn't have. I wish you would have left it in and seen it crash because you would have almost double as much money as you would have had, you know, had you just <laughs> had you left it in. Mm-hmm. Like, sure, we saved on the downside, but we missed so much upside. Mm-hmm. And and so, you know, making sure that we understand what our fear is and 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 vetting that out, whether that's a rational fear or whether we should be accepting that. I love it. Uh, Rex, anything else on financial goal setting for the new year? I think. Um, the two key takeaways probably are, are one, figure out where you're at, as Brandon mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, um, so that you know your starting point. And then I think next is, is be smarter uh, to, to still the acronym out there about your goals, right? Yeah. So yeah. Um, specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, time bound. And then be the ER about it, smarter, evaluate and readjust as you I just imagined so. Rex like sleeping and then he's just talking about goal, smarter goal. <laughs> <laughs> you should see me just sleep talking. Make sleep. it achievable. Make it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it so much. So thanks so much. Uh, go Brandon. There's Brandon and Rex for being on this podcast of Through the Pines. Um, if you like this podcast, you can consider supporting us at buymeacoffee.com. Also, please visit planwithbaxter.com and then, then you can chat with these fine gentlemen all you want. You can follow us on our socials, uh, Facebook at Pines Podcast and Instagram at Pines, I think Pines underscore podcast and on YouTube at Through the Pines Podcast on YouTube where you can see our wonderful, beautiful faces. 
That's it for this episode of Through the Pines, reminding you to use yesterday's dollars to finance tomorrow's dreams.